This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hi. Ah, uh, you know why it's so hot? Because of a volcano in some uh, some country called Tonga, T-O-N-G-A. There was a volcano there. I knew this heat felt different. It's not global warming. It's not climate change. It's that damn volcano. And this isn't from uh, the New York Times. This is from NASA, the National Air and Space uh, Administration. I hope <laughs> National Aeronautics Space Administration. Yeah, I'm sure it's something like that. Yeah, this is an impressive kind of weird heat. It's been I've hot and humidity. We know it. We know what it's like. This one's different. There's a heaviness. There's a staleness almost in the air. Anyway, just heard this morning that NASA is saying they're blaming it on a volcano that's been going like crazy for uh, for months and months and months. Turned out something like 50, what do they say, 50,000 Olympic swimming pools full of uh, 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 lava. <laughs> okay, let's just call it lava. All kinds of stuff that should not be in the air. That's what's happening. That's why it feels uh, even grosser than normal. Uh, August, dog days of summer, all that kind of stuff. I never used to mind them at all. I never even really noticed them until this time, and I knew there was something different. Thank you, NASA. They figured that one out. All right, so Joe Biden passed that great big whatever the hell it was, jam-packed with all kinds of useless stuff. Oh, boy, climate change, climate change. 730 billion dollars to combat climate change. Now, what does that really mean? That means all kinds of silly contracts. That means all kinds of incentives. That means all kinds of hookups. It is so complex. It's complex on a purpose, on purpose, because... Well, they want to keep you in the dark, and that's uh, that's what they do. That's what they've always done. Uh, this one, though, I think is going to come back to bite him. Everybody in the fake news is out there saying, Joe Biden, oh, wow, he's on a roll. He's had victory after victory. What a, he's on a winning streak. Um, no, I'm sorry. The results on Joe, it's already baked into the, to the public consciousness. We know this guy is a loser. We know he's a bad dude. And uh, that's it. We want no part of them, and uh, even liberals. Uh, Maureen Dowd, the influential columnist for the New York Post, says it's time to get lost. Joe Biden, do not run. Even his pal, this um, sickening guy named uh, Jeff Coons, C-O-O-N-S. Why, why do I say that's pretty strong, sickening guy? Well, um, why do I say that? Uh, how do I put this? Jeff let. Uh, Joe Biden feel up his daughter right in front of him. I'm sorry. You can see it. Everybody has seen it. Uh, you know, when, when senators get sworn in and members of Congress and Joe goes to town feeling everybody up, well, you can look it up. Senator Coons gets sworn into the United States Senate, and Joe is all over their 14-year-old daughter. The mother is totally uncomfortable. The mother sees it. And um, anyway, 
so I don't think too much of this guy. I think he should have stepped right in and uh, and taken care of Joe. Um, I don't care what it would have looked like. I don't care what the optics would have been. You just don't stand for that kind of stuff. And even he, somebody so subservient, so obsequious, so devoted, said this weekend that uh, he's not going to encourage Joe Biden to run for re-election. Do you think Joe Biden, are you going to encourage Joe Biden to run for re-election? Well, I'm going to encourage him to focus. Okay, we get it. We get it loud and clear. Uh, Oh, Joe Biden also says everybody should pay their fair share when it comes to taxes. Everybody should. You know, that sounds great. But Joe has specialized in not paying his fair share. Oh, yes, he has. How does he do that? Well, he's an expert at it setting up these little LLCs and shell companies and yeah, Delaware. That's, that's where, that's where they invented this stuff, Delaware. So limited liability. That's what Joe wants. Limited liability. He also wants to hide his income. He set up a ridiculous nonprofit. And we have not heard the end of this, a, uh, a nonprofit, uh, the Bo Biden research foundation, right? Uh, except that it didn't do any research, it didn't uh, uh, fund anything, it just uh, funded a bunch of people that Joe wanted to give jobs to, including himself, including um, Mrs. Joe Biden. I mean, it was just a big scam, and that's what these guys do. Now that he has gotten his, now that he is a rich man, he thinks he's protected. I still think there is, uh, as they say in legal circles, exposure on Joe's part. Um, Now that he has gotten his, though, you know, the beachfront house, uh, two mansions, uh, um, all the watches he needs, the fancy clothes. He does dress. Uh, if you can if you look, I can tell these kinds of things. I think his suits are from a company called Oxford, O-X-X-F-O-R-D. And they are the most uh, expensive suits in America, uh, even more expensive than Tom Ford. All right. He is a natty guy. He's always liked this stuff. And uh He's uh, he's motivated by money, no doubt about it. Now that he's gotten his, he wants to make sure everybody pays their fair share. Joe has been skirting the law all these years. Now it's time for you to pay your fair share. Well, they have now increased the size of the IRS. It's going to be bigger than the Pentagon pretty soon if they keep up with this. Double the amount of agents, double the amount of audits that are going to happen. Now, They're not going to go after the rich people. Why is that? Well, rich people are ready for this battle. They've already set it up. They play the same game that Joe Biden has been playing for a long time. Look, if you can do it, fine. And uh, it's in the law. You know what we really ought to do? Steve Forbes talked about this a long time ago. Steve Forbes. I love that guy. Ran for president in 1996. An amazing dude. He said, simplify the tax code. Simplify it. Just make it one of the flat tax. You can do your taxes on a postcard. That's all it would take. I love that idea. You know, it would kind of screw up uh, accountants and it would screw up H&R Block and it would screw up a lot of people, but it would also free up a lot of things, free up so much bandwidth. Imagine paying your taxes on a postcard. Uh, It sounds probably, it's just too impossible, right? No, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. I would love to get it to that. I can't understand this stuff. I can't fill this stuff out. Who can? And when they start auditing you, and if you don't have uh, lawyers, you know, you can't just go out and hire a lawyer. You got to have a lawyer ready. And if you don't, what are you probably going to do? You're going to settle. You're going to fold. Fighting this stuff, answering their questions, supplying all that documentation, that's a full-time job. I know somebody who was audited once. Me! (laughs) It, it, It was, whoa! 
They were messing with the wrong Marine, though. I had the receipts. I had the receipts, but it took a hell of a lot of uh, jumping through hoops. It was yikes, and um, not everybody can do that. Not everybody wants to do that. I was one of those. Fortunately, I had some, uh, you know, I had I had an expert or two who could help me through that process, but uh, a lot of folks, including me, I was lucky. I was lucky. Quite frankly, if I if that happened to me when I was single, I would have been totally screwed. I would have been totally overwhelmed. What do I do? What? Hello? I can't. I, I just. Uh, uh. But uh, now I have uh, a wife, and uh, as together we're such a good team. And um, anyway, we can we can respond uh, to this kind of stuff. I don't want to be audited again. Uh, to the to all the honest people at the IRS, we think you're doing a great job, and. I think, quite frankly, just I just want you guys at work, okay? I, I don't think you need any help. Do you really want all that help? You want all that competition for the promotions and all that stuff? No, we want to keep the IRS a boutique operation. We all said we all want to f- pay our fair share, but uh, let's uh, let's not get carried away. Hey, um, there is a new four-star general in the Marine Corps. His name is Langley. This is not necessarily the biggest news item in the world. But the New York Times is jumping up up and down about it. I was like, what's going on here? Why is it so special? What's the big deal? Aha! Why are they promoting the promotion of a general? Not exactly up their alley. Because the general is black. That's it. That's it. And this shows everybody that there is no more glass ceiling, that the Marine Corps is not a racist place. You can go as far as your dreams... Yeah, we learned that lesson a long time ago. We knew that already. We really did. You know, one of the reasons why I joined the military, actually, you know, my father was in the military, but I also got a huge kick out of Colin Powell. Yeah, this is way before he went woke, way before he made a name for himself endorsing Democrats. Um, you know, he's from the Bronx. He went to a ordinary college. Um, he was very smart. He got by on his ability. I loved it. I loved it. He just, through sheer force of will and and, and diligence, he became a White House fellow, which is a program I've long been familiar with. It's like, it's a glorified internship program, but he became a White House fellow. It's a very competitive thing. My father applied for it. He became a White House fellow finalist, which is pretty damn good. I mean, it's like 10,000 applicants, and then they whittle it down to like, 250 semifinalists, and uh, my dad was one of them, but he didn't get the actual fellowship, but it was a, it, I was impressed. So I knew about this program. It was back during the Jimmy Carter days, and he, I think, got a fellowship under Nixon. I just thought this guy's great, and not only that, he likes White Castle. I saw him give a speech, and he talked about how much he liked the White Castle on Fordham Road, and what else? Oh, when he's going up and down the FDR, he looks at the Pepsi sign. You know the Pepsi sign in Queens? Well, guess what? He used to be a porter there. I was like, this guy is really great. He came from, you know, humble background, whatever, and now he's a four-star general. Wow, that's that's amazing. I liked all that stuff. It really didn't have anything to do with him being black. This was my This was like one of my role models. And now the message from Everybody, our culture, our the Biden administration, the Pentagon, you can only be inspired by those who look like you. And what does that even mean? Does, isn't that the most annoying phrase in the world, people who look like me? 
No one, no one. I, I, I noticed that on Orange is the New Black, nobody on that show looks like me. Should I start saying that? Should I start complaining about that? That, um, you know, I went to go see Hamilton and I was watching and, and nobody, nobody on stage looked like me. Shut up. Look like me. There's only one guy in the world who really looks like, well, there are a couple. My father, we strongly resemble each other. I'm told that I look a lot like um, Jeff from Dynasty, that he and I, actually, there was a resemblance there. And uh, that's pretty much it. Nobody calls me a dead ringer for anybody. You look like very few people. Are we to say that all white people look alike? Are we to say that all black people look alike? Now, when did that become a, that? that is the, isn't that kind of the definition of racism? I mean, isn't that, no, people are individuals. People are different from each other, and we celebrate those differences. Nope, 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 nope. Even my beloved Marine Corps, you know, you wear a uniform, a uniform, united, unity, right? From many, one. E pluribus uh, unum, unum? Isn't that what it says on the quarter? Well, no, 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 no. Don't be unified. Be segmented. Only express allegiance and interest in those who look like you. What a horrible message that is. In the New York Times, they're, they're so excited because they think they made this happen. And they probably did in some ways. They've been, they've been riding the Marine Corps. Where are the black generals? Where are the black generals? Well, here's a black general. Yeah, but well, you don't have any four-star generals. Well, here, here's your four-star general. First it was, there are no generals. Yes, there is a general. Okay, well, he only has one star. Well, here's a two-star. Okay, well, we, we need more than that. Well, here's a three-star. Well, wait a second. He's only in logistics. We need one in uh, infantry. Okay, well, here's one. And they play this game, and the Marine Corps, too many, too many people in power, too many people with high-status positions, like four-star General Berger, the top general in the Marine Corps right now. He's a commandant. He happens to be white. You know what he wants? He wants to remain in that position. If he's lucky enough, he wants to get another position after it. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Supreme Allied Commander Europe, who knows, he also doesn't want to get yelled at when he goes to Capitol Hill by Kirsten Gillibrand. All right, I told you about these generals. They are, you know, anybody who joins the military, yeah, that's great. But to stay in the military for 40 years, you got to basically be a bit of a suck-up. All right, everybody, they, and who do you suck up to when you're a, when you're a general? Well, they find, they find if you're a one-star, you suck up to the two-star, and so on and so on and so on. When you're a four-star and there's nobody in uniform to suck up to anymore— you suck up to the Secretary of Defense, to the Assistant Secretary of Defense, to the Congressman, to the Senator, to the President, and to the media. Uh, because it's kind of ingrained. That's what they do. They suck up to people. So congratulations, General, what's his name again? Langley. I, I couldn't tell you the name of the other. There's, I guess, is this, is this why it's in the New York Times? This is why it's in the New York Times, because he's black. When's the last time you did a profile on somebody? Just because, just because, just because they were special. No, they don't do that anymore. It's very interesting. Hey, Donald Trump had a great rally on Wednesday night. I'm sorry, uh, in Wisconsin on Friday night and at CPAC on Saturday. When we come back, uh, more on that and some other stuff. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Do me a favor, don't watch the news. Do not waste time doing it. You will be misinformed. You'll be underinformed. They are not being straight with you. It is incredible. You know what they love to say about Donald Trump. Anytime he raises any kind of uh, questions about the 
2020 election, they, oh, the big lie, the big lie, the big lie. He's not lying. He is not lying. They are. They are. They're lying. And they're trying to cover it up. You know, and I can be guilty of this myself because everybody is in such a rush, you know, 10 seconds here. We're just moving on. You know, Instagram, just kind of move, 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 go, 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 go. Everything's changing every single second. Uh, your phone's going off all the time. You got to take time out and you got to actually read, not their summary of it, not their skewed take on it, but actual, the original source documents. They are available to each and every one of us. And I knew this was big. I covered it on my show, on the Newsmax show, a couple of weeks ago when the Wisconsin Supreme Court came out with a with a ruling that said the drop boxes, the voter drop boxes were illegal. I mentioned it. And yeah, I, 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 a fine job. But then I moved on. I moved on real quick. Did I read 141 pages of the ruling? No, I actually didn't. I skimmed it barely. Uh, then I think I read a summary that somebody else wrote because everyone's in too much of a rush. If you print this stuff up or get it on your iPad and anybody can get this stuff, it's publicly available. It's free. And it's an amazing document. It really is. They say that the Wisconsin election essentially was illegal. There was an, there was illegality in Wisconsin. It, it was not a fair election. And I can go on. Pennsylvania had it, but I'm going to focus on Wisconsin right now. Uh, from the justices, they write and they, they, they're citing all kinds of uh, they're citing. Look, we're becoming a little bit like North Korea, a little bit like Iraq. This is in the opinion. If the right to vote is to have any meaning at all, elections must be conducted according to law. Throughout history, tyrants have claimed electoral victory via elections conducted in violation of governing law. For example, Saddam Hussein was reportedly elected in 2002 by a unanimous vote of all eligible voters in Iraq, 11,445,638 people. Examples of such corruption are replete in history. In the 21st century, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un was elected in 2014 with 100% of the vote, while his father, Kim Jong-il, previously won 99.9% of the vote. Former president of Cuba, Raul Castro, won 99.4% of the vote in 2008, while Syrian President Bashar al-Assad was elected with 97.6% of the vote in 2007. This is the kind of stuff... All of the ingredients are there. They are violating the law, and they violated the law in Wisconsin. All right? So let's go through it. The Wisconsin's voters' injury, in fact, is substantially more concrete. Well, they have to talk about standing and standing and standing. Uh, Let me put it to you this way. Uh, Going back to the decision, this is from the justices of the Supreme Court. The record indicates hundreds of ballot drop boxes have been set up in past elections, prompted by the memos, and thousands of votes have been cast via this unlawful method, thereby directly harming the Wisconsin voters. The illegality of these drop boxes weakens the people's faith that the election produced an outcome reflective of their will. The Wisconsin voters and all lawful voters are injured when the institution charged with administering Wisconsin elections does not follow the law, leaving the results in question. It's pretty, that's dynamite stuff. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see. Uh, the Democrats misunderstand the nature of the Wisconsin voters injury. In fact, it argues the Wisconsin voters cannot show their votes were diluted by unlawful votes. They state it is 
equally likely that any such unlawful voters may vote for the same candidates who the Wisconsin voters support, which would seem to benefit, not harm them. Okay. The Wisconsin voters' injury, however, is more nuanced than the Democrats suggest. Democrats' claim about equal likelihood is pure speculation. In contrast, the failure to follow election laws is a fact which forces everyone, even Democrats, to question the legitimacy of election results. Electoral outcomes obtained by unlawful procedures corrupt the institution of voting, degrading the very foundation of free government. Unlawful votes do not dilute lawful votes so much as they pollute them, which in turn pollutes the integrity of the results. This is amazing stuff. This is dynamite. Now, you got to go back to the law, the law of uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin statutes begins with a legislative, with a statement of legislative policy that cannot be reconciled with statements of policy contained in the WEC's memos. What is WEC? WEC is the Wisconsin Election Commission. All right. The legislative policy, though, look, they freaking rigged it. They changed the rules illegally, illegally. And here it is in black and white. I love our Constitution. I love our laws. This is really good stuff. And remember, every time they say he's lying, he's not. Every time he's right. Trump is, that is. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, oh, all right, stop it. Uh... Anne Heche. Anne Heche was all drunk, it looks like, when she had a single car accident uh, in California, just driving so fast down the street. Did you see it? You can see her driving a little blue Mini Cooper, and she drives right into somebody's house, and the car blows up. She's probably going to be okay. I saw her in the stretcher. You know, the helicopters, the news helicopters there are incredible. They're so aggressive. Part of the reason is they don't have to worry about buildings like we do here. Anyway, Anne Heche, who I only really know from, uh, she was in some movie with Harrison Ford, and she dated Ellen DeGeneres for uh, a bunch of years. What else did she do? I think I met her once on The Good Day Show. And um, what else? It's uh, sad, though. She's 53 years old and got totally blitzed out of her mind, it looks like. And I think I know what she's probably blitzed on. It reminds me... What she did. And also the other California woman. Did you see this? Uh, the 37-year-old nurse drives her Mercedes, her black Mercedes, about 100 miles per hour into a busy intersection. Kills at least five people, including a baby. Now, it looks like she got into a fight with her boyfriend, huh? Yeah. And uh, But she was drunk. And I also think this, and I don't, I don't think it's been established yet by the toxicology reports or anything like that, but both of these cases remind me of that 
situation on the Taconic Parkway. Do you remember this? Aunt Diane, what's the matter with Aunt Diane? Uh, Diane from Long Island was up camping with her um, nieces and children. And uh, anyway, she went back. I guess her husband went back earlier and she was driving back and she was on the wrong side of the Taconic Parkway going about a (laughs) crazy uh, rate of speed. I don't know exactly how fast. And she collided with uh, numerous cars. She was killed. Children were killed. And it turned out, now I know that her family disputes this, but I'm sorry. I think this is uh, the real deal. And I can tell you exactly how I know. They said that she was drunk and high. She had been drinking vodka and smoking weed. Combining the two of those things will make you go crazy. Happened to me once, actually. I think I've been up front with you. I've uh, smoked pot in my life about a half a dozen times, you know, with huge gaps in between. You know, once in high school, once in college, once then not until I was like 31 years old, then 35 years old, then 40 years old. Stupid, 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 stupid. Every time I had a negative experience in one way, shape or form, uh, it was different negative, but always negative. And then uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. One time. I had been drinking, and then I smoked the, you know, somebody offered it, and I did it, and oh, my gosh. You know, I thought I was, as like, one thing to be high, one thing to be drunk. I thought I was losing my mind. It was really, really crazy stuff, and I could see how somebody in, in that condition could drive 100 miles per hour in the wrong direction. So stay the hell away from that stuff, please. I bet that what's that that Aunt Diane thing happened to Aunt Haish and also happened to the 37-year-old nurse. If you've seen the video, right? She explodes right through 100 miles per hour. Now, I've also heard reports that she wanted to commit suicide. Um, so we'll see. We'll see about that. Hey, uh, you know I have two little kids at home, right? Two, one is two and a half. The other is eight months and uh, this is kind of what it sounds like. They're always, they're always saying or trying to say something. What's the problem? The apples for a tree. There's a, what? An apple for a tree. Apple for a tree, yes. An uh, apple sky eat a horse. Uh, What's your situation? Hello? Uh, the, horse, uh, the horse is going to eat the apple. The horse is going to eat the apple? Where is it? Where? It says you're cleaning. Okay. It says you're cleaning the neck. Yeah, I couldn't make heads or tails out of it. Something about a horse wanting to eat an apple. She was watching cartoons, and there was an apple. I couldn't see the horse. She's actually a pretty good speaker, though. She's not yet three. Um, you know, the other day, uh, my wife said, okay, time to take a bath. And she said, I don't want a bath. I'm not dirty. She's pretty advanced. I don't remember speaking like that. Well, I don't remember being two, but still, I think it's pretty advanced. And I think for all the complaining we do about the Internet and all that junk out there, um, it's some of it is really helping kids. They are operating at a level beyond where we operated uh, at that age. And uh, I'm impressed. Hey, uh, TC died. Uh, the guy who played Magnum P.I., uh, Mr. Mosley. Who remembers Magnum P.I.? It was a great show. The guy who flew the helicopter, uh, T.C. And I just thought it was a fantastic show. It was on 8 o'clock on Thursday nights. It used to conflict with CCD, but um, I loved it. I loved it. Magnum seemed like he was really cool. 
Higgins was a bit of a snob, but he was likable. Larry, I never understood his role in the whole thing, but uh, TC in that helicopter. We needed more of that helicopter. I'm also intrigued the lives of actors. You know, if you look at their resumes, even the very successful ones, there are major gaps in their in their careers where they'll go two, three years without doing a movie, without doing a TV show. What is that like? What are they up to? I told you about The Godfather. I watched The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. It was pretty good. It was actually very good. Some problems with it, whatever, but uh, I'm glad I watched it. Now I can talk about a show, and now I know what it's like to have seen a great show and ask people, hey, have you seen uh, this show? And they're like, no. Have you seen this show? And I'm like, no. That's where those conversations go. There are too many damn shows on. This show came out in April, and I just watched it, whatever. Um, I am very intrigued by Mario Puzo, P-U-Z-O. A couple of things about him. You know, he he writes this book, The Godfather. He had the intent to write a bestseller. He needed to financially. He had uh, five kids. He had a house on Long Island in West Bayshore, and he really needed to crank something out. He's a very good writer, but he wasn't having much luck selling books. So he sits down. He writes The Godfather, uses his imagination. This is not his world. Uh, his family, by the way, wasn't from Sicily. I think they were from outside of Naples. And he, uh, he imagines all this stuff, writes a book, does very, very well. Sells the rights, I think, to Paramount for $50,000, but he's involved in the creative uh, process with the screenplay and sits down with Francis Ford Coppola, and they come up with this thing, and it's a masterpiece. The movie The Godfather, you know, it's not called The Godfather. The official name of the movie is Mario Puzo's The Godfather and Mario Puzo's The Godfather Part Two, And that movie, obviously, that book made him... Uh, and there's a scene where they're at the premiere and he gets he tells his buddy that he just got a million dollars for writing the treatment, which is like a little baby summary screenplay for Superman, Superman, the movie, which was a fantastic movie with Christopher Reeves and Marlon Brando. Mario Puzo, he died in 1999, seemed like a great guy. You know, he was living in the same house when he sold The Godfather as when he died and he did very, very well. A lot of these guys, they taste a little bit of success and uh, forget about it. <laughs> They're different people, but not this guy, not Mario Puzo. Uh, remained married to uh, the same woman. I think she died 1978, and then he met another woman. It looked like they had a very nice relationship, and she wrote books. And Anyway, Mario Puzo, I wish I got to meet him in real life. All right, Dennis is on the phone in Boundbrook, New Jersey. Hi, Dennis. Did you watch the yeah, Godfather hey, show I've been talking about? No, I don't have access to that channel. Yeah, neither did right. I. I had a I had a yeah. pay seven bucks a month. I don't. Yeah, it's, they should just bundle all these things and put it on one big channel or or something. Anyway, like we used to do, yeah. you know, with regular network TV. What's yeah. up? That's it's it's all part of making life as complicated as you can, Greg. Yeah. That's their goal. Yeah. <laughs> Passwords. Yeah, Greg, and... I had to call you, and you can verify this, so you're not. No, I'm not talking through my hat. This is on in the post yesterday on page thirty three. It says there's this school. There's this school in uh, in the Bronx, in Harlem. Uh, is this going to revert to Eric Adams? Ninety-five percent of the school failed math, yet ninety-three percent of them got a passing grade. And the founder of the school is now the chancellor of New York City education, David Banks. And I'm pretty sure he's a buddy of Eric Adams. But I mean, how, I mean, how can something like that happen? In fact, I, and fly under the radar. I mean, I never even saw that before. I know I've heard this guy David Banks' his name being thrown around, 
But I mean, how could you, how could anything like that even happen that nobody says, hey, wait a minute, this guy's a loser. All right. You know? Well, hold on a second. Um, I'm going to have to say, hey, wait a minute to you. I, I did not see the New York Post story, but I am familiar with David Banks. Um, David Banks is a kind of a real deal educator. He was the uh, head of the Eagle Academy Foundation, and they did. Look, I've done a couple of events with them. I've been to one or two of their uh, facilities. I think they, I think this guy is a force for good, and he gets it. Um, you know, <laughs> we can blame the chancellor. We can blame the principal. We can blame the teacher. Um, it also comes down to the student. It does come down to the student, and they're up to against some really incredible forces, the administrators. They really are. I mean, look, doing well in school wasn't exactly – uh, a mystery, you know, pay attention in class, go home, study, do your homework, you know, don't screw around, don't go and get in trouble, and you could pr- do pretty well, you could pass. Those little basic things that I just summarized, you know, studying, paying attention, not not getting, uh, not acting up all the time, that, That's the, those are rare qualities in New York City public schools, unfortunately, very rare. And I've I've heard it before where you had more than more than half a class performing under grade level. I have heard that. I don't know if you can lay that all at David Banks's feet. I don't know. He look, there are very few bright lights in this administration. Okay? Uh Adams is one dim bulb. We know that. You know that. Um but I'm gonna there's a I got a big butt coming here. I like Banks. I also like the fact, and I don't know if he's still there because I haven't seen his name in a while, but the former chief of the New York City Police Department is a deputy mayor for public safety, uh, David Banks's brother. So uh, Chief Banks is there. I So I know, I know those stories have always been written. You've seen them before. Remember, Bloomberg came in. He wanted to be the education, the education mayor. He wanted to do education, what uh, Rudy Giuliani and uh, did for crime, right? He wanted to totally revolutionize. Well, it didn't really work, did it? You know? So I know I'm not kind of telling you what you want to hear. You want me to get all, you know, irate about this and how can this, but uh, I I just don't think the solution is that easy. I I like David Banks. I like the, uh, the Eagle Academy and I like his brother and I like that he's there. I would love to see either of these guys mayor over Eric Adams um, you know, if you were a teacher, if I were a teacher, you know, what kind of results could we get? You know, there are a lot of things, a lot of factors. How many people in that school have fathers? I'm I'm wondering. I don't know. I don't know the answer. You know, I mean, yeah. But how, Greg, the, yeah. The, the bad part, maybe I didn't explain myself properly. It's one thing for the 95 percent to fail, but they gave them all passing grades. You know, that's that's crooked. I mean, you I, fail, I just, you just fail. Be, just be you got to You got to yeah. take a deep breath when you read something in the paper. All right. You know, if I read something about you, a summary about you, Dennis, in Brownbrook, New Jersey, okay, somebody who never met you just wrote up a little bit of a summary of your life. And I read it and I think I totally had you figured out. You know, you can never be inside based on this kind of information. You can never have a true tactile understanding, in my opinion. All right. So I understand. I'm not I just can't read one article in The New York Post fly off the handle you know, even the best reporters make all kinds of mistakes, get it wrong. I I just, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm not. I like I Banks. Right. I like this guy. I You know, I don't think he's an idiot. I think he's a force for good. And I, the same for his brother. And uh, I wish him luck. 
the New York yeah. City school system has been screwed up, the public school right. system, for a very long time. And I just don't see it changing overnight. I don't see it. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Thanks, Dennis, though. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I know what it's like. I know. I know. I probably should just say, yeah, I know. Can you believe it? This guy should be thrown out on his ass. But there are, I'm telling you how I feel. Am I biased a little bit? Well, I have met the guy. I've seen his stuff. I, I know he's very smart, David Banks. Uh, when I heard he was the chancellor, I'm like, well, that's actually a pretty good choice. Better than that Carranza guy who was pushing a woke agenda. Hey, I was in school. What the hell? Really? Was the superintendent? Did I ever meet the superintendent? Did I know who the superintendent was? I had some pretty screwed up teachers. I had one hit me over the head with a book, with an algebra book. Miss Schmidt just clobbered me over the head. This day and age, I could have had her arrested. I could probably still go back and lodge a complaint. Um... Yeah, teachers. Did I deserve that? No. Um, Was I doing my part? Well, anyway, doing well in school is not rocket science, okay? It's just not. And sometimes we got to start talking about the students, all right? I can blame, uh, we're going to blame government for everything. What do you think, Lisa? I got one more. Uh, Is Lisa there? Is she on hold? What happened to her? Uh, All right, Peter, Peter, Peter. Go ahead, Peter. Hey, guys. Hey, why was, wasn't Eric Adams being upset when they were flying illegally by plane into New York City or into the New York metropolitan area? Yeah, he uh, came out like he was the welcome wagon. I think I have this here. Uh, cut 14. Cut 14. Eric Adams. This is, a, you know, he's, he's doing, he he's only doing what he knows how to do. Show up at phony press conferences. He's not an administrator. Here's proof. Cut 14. This is horrific when you think about what uh, the governor uh, is doing, the governor of Texas, uh, after a month of traveling across the border, placing on the bus with no direction. Yeah, uh, just complaining about some governor. He's just complaining about a governor. Just you've got so many resources at your disposal. This is what you come up with. Cut 15. Things as a political... Um, play it's, 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 it's just he finally admitted what we were saying and uh, we're going to continue to be open arms this is who we are as a city and we just need help from the federal government we have a we're having a great conversation this afternoon with the federal government uh, to figure out how we can get this right but it is despicable what we're witnessing in Texas despicable uh yeah the federal <laughs> government the federal government the federal government's going to take care of it all, right? What did Ronald Reagan say? The most terrifying words in the English language. Uh, I'm with the federal government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> it's just he, he, the federal government's going to straighten all this out for him. So Governor Abbott is sending some of the migrants who uh, the Biden administration insists must remain in America. Remain in Mexico worked out pretty well. No, they must remain in America and they must remain in places like uh, New York. And I guess Abbott's having a little bit of fun. I don't blame him. You like this, Eric Adams? Here, take this. Uh, although Eric Adams didn't have to turn out and meet the bus. He could have, instead of talking to a microphone, he could have talked to the governor himself. All right, listen, i got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Thanks for the call. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, ooh, okay. Hey, I found it. All right, let's see here. Donald Trump uh, at CPAC. 
You know that phony story about how he was uh, choking the Secret Service man? Who came up with that one? Uh, who came up with that one? What was her name? Ashley Madison? Ashley? I don't know. What the hell was her Cassidy. Cassidy Hutchinson. Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, cut 41. This is Trump at CPAC this weekend. How about that phony story? I'm sitting in the back of the beast. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should be honored because I felt very strong. And I had these two big, strong Secret Service guys. If one guy could lift 350 pounds, no problem. And I said, take me to the Capitol. No, sir, can't do it. So I grabbed the steering wheel to commandeer the car. And he rebuffed me, she said. So my hands fell around another powerful guy, strong as hell. It's just not my deal. And I started to choke him. I felt so when the story came out, some people said, I never knew you were that strong physically. <laughs> and then I, they said I started throwing food all over the White House. No, I have too much respect for the White House. But that somebody could sort of believe, you know, that. But to think that I'm going to be jumping into the seat, grabbing a wheel, being rebuffed, grabbing this big, powerful guy, his neck is like this, and grabbing, I'm going to take him. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> it was a totally insane story, and it was secondhand. Uh, uh, what was her name again? Uh, Ashley uh, Cassidy. Cassidy Hutchinson. Cassidy. Hey, the whole thing about Cassidy Hutchinson, 26 years old, relatively attractive, actually very attractive. Uh, they gave her a big makeover. The thing you got to understand about her was, uh, or is, she just wanted to be on TV. It was her stated goal. She wanted to be on television. She wanted to be Lara Spencer, but she didn't want to do all the work that Lara Spencer did. Lara Spencer on Good Morning America. Well, first she was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then she was on News 12 uh, Schenectady, and then she was here, and then she was there, and then she worked her way up. Years and years of toil and hard work. Cassidy wants to skip all that. Most people want to skip all that. Why do that when you can just show up and tell you tell everybody what Tony told you? Tony said that the president then lunged for the clavicle. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's one more. Cut 42 from CPAC, Donald Trump. Ronnie Jackson, my doctor. Dr. Ronnie. Where's Ronnie? Where's Ronnie? Oh, he was the White House doctor. He was a great doctor. You know, he was a... Admiral, a doctor, and now he's a congressman. I said, which is the best if you had your choice? And he sort of indicated doctor because he loved looking at my body. It was so strong and powerful. <laughs> but he said, I'm the healthiest president that's ever lived. I was the healthiest. I, I said, I like this guy. I don't know who the hell he is at the time. I said, <laughs> it works when he says hell. I don't know who the hell he is. <laughs> it just, it works. It works. Hey. Another thing he did, he showed that politics doesn't have to be boring, okay? Can you imagine a bunch of people going voluntarily to watch Joe Biden speak for two hours on a Saturday night? On a Friday night? This is one of the reasons, this is one of the things that infuriates them. He must be stopped. The people love him. And they're afraid of the people. Totally afraid. You know, Rob Reiner, the meathead? Rob Reiner really is a uh, and it's too easy, but Rob Reiner... Made some, actually, he made some crummy movies. What am I talking about? Rob Reiner was um, the son-in-law of Archie Bunker on All in the Family. 
And then he did. He actually made some rotten movies. And one of them was um, A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men is no good. Okay. Uh, it's so problematic. The play actually was a big problem. I took I took my dad to see it in 1990, I think it was. And uh, we were both shaking our heads. I had already served a bit in the Marine Corps. I was done with OCS. They got everything wrong. Everything about the Marine Corps, they got wrong. Rob Reiner uh, made that bad play into a even worse movie. Doesn't know what he's talking about. Why did I start talking about uh, A Few Good Men? Um, why did I start talking about that? Anyway, I'll get back to you on that. Give me a moment. Hey, even CNN is coming out and saying, oh, because of the meathead, because of um, because of um, Rob Reiner. He just came out and said Trump and his supporters are dangerous to democracy. They've been saying that so much. Um, it's not. We are out to preserve democracy. You get it? You get it? You get it, meathead? Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So I have an Apple Watch. I am now one of those guys wearing an Apple Watch. Uh, It actually is a very cool piece of gear. I like the way it looks. Um, It's a little bit intrusive. It's always asking me questions. It's always telling me to do stuff. It's always uh, going off and telling me what the news is. And, I mean, it's just, it is a little bit much. Uh, let's see here. What are the telltale signs of a thyroid problem? Plus, why you <laughs> why you absolutely need to clean the inside of your dishwasher? This just came up on my phone. I mean, on my watch. Plus, how to feel more in control of your life. Wow, this is really changing everything. New revelations about Alzheimer's, the dishwasher mistake too many people make, and 71 summer essentials and deals. Save for later or dismissed? Dismissed. Goodness gracious. This watch is beautiful, but there are too many options, and there are too many bells and whistles and chimes and doodads and doohickeys. Uh, it took me a good I th- half the weekend to determine which watch face I wanted. You've got thousands to choose from, thousands. Now, ultimately, I went with a very simple, you know, I just want to know the time. And then I threw in the date, okay, and then the temperature, uh, but it wasn't easy. And, oh, then I have to figure out what color do I want them. And then what, just – and then do I want it to be round? Do I want it to be square? Do I want it to be octagonal? Do I want – it just – and then it would ask me questions. It's always asking me, what is your weight? What is your weight? What is your height? I'm very uncomfortable with that. It feels a little bit like a dog collar, like a like a tracking device, like those things that they put on the uh, the, the the crew from the Enterprise when they beam down to a planet where they were smarter – where the people on the planet were smarter than the crew of the Enterprise. This is how they controlled them. I do like it. The band is very beautiful. It's like a special band. This is a gift, by the way. I did not buy it. I got a gift from a person who I've known for a long time. Great man of wisdom and uh, character. And uh, I admired his watch. And he said, I'm going to get you one. I said, please don't. You don't have to do that. And he did. He did. Next time I'll admire his car or his apartment. I just said, really... But I was so grateful. It's really neat. I don't know if I'm going to wear it for the rest of my life or even for the – I'm going to wear it for August. We'll see how it goes. It does – it's a lot going on. I wish it would just shut up and tell me the time. It wants to do so much more than that. I know it can do so much more than that, and it wants to give me my my blood oxygen level. How the hell would it know that? But it's going to do that. It's going to 
I noticed it actually last night. I was like, okay, why? It won't tell me the time. Wait a second. It's still on, but it's very, very dim. You know what it was telling me to do? To go to bed. It was telling me to go to bed. It's time for you to go to bed. So it would wind down. It would wind me down. What? How do you do that? Well, you don't show bright lights in the middle of the night or at 11 o'clock or whatever. So, oh, I brought up Mario Puzo earlier because of that show I watched. And, you know, it's interesting. There's so much content, so many TV shows out there. And I watched this one show, and I liked it, the offer about the making of The Godfather. Some of it obviously fictionalized, but the guy who played Mario Puzo looked like he was spot on. And then I read up on Mario Puzo. Seemed like a great guy. He lived in the same house in West Bayshore, Long Island, in 1968 as he did in 1999 when he died. All that success, he stayed in West Bayshore. I kind of like that about him. He did very well. He got a million dollars for the... Treatment, the initial summary of the Superman screenplay. Anyway, I just went on a deep dive, and I'm learning more about him and and his girlfriend, Carol, and uh, uh, his first wife. Well, his only wife, really. He uh, She died, and he was a widower, and then he met Carol, and looks like they had a really nice setup. Five kids, but uh, he, at one point, his nickname in school was, was it Fyodor? Fyodor Dostoevsky? Fyodor, yeah, Fyodor, with an F. And uh, he loved Dostoevsky, Crime and Punishment, books like that. I'm like, have I ever, ever? No, the book is damn is too big, too big. Maybe I had to once in college, but you know what I did? I read the Cliff Notes. I just got through. You have wonderful opportunity to read books, and I was trying to skirt every uh, obligation. Well, kind of in honor of, well, inspired by him, I opened up Crime and Punishment. I downloaded it for work. Guess what? 39 cents on Amazon. 39 cents. And it's probably one of the greatest books ever I've ever read. It's so, I can't wait to get back to it. Here I am reading Crime and Punishment. You know, it's like, I haven't read a novel in a very long time. I read a fair amount of nonfiction, but a novel, and I, quite frankly, I'm not ashamed to say, I get it, it's very confusing sometimes, novels. And then you got to keep the names straight. Well, you know what? It's easier than ever before, especially with these Russian names. Yeah, and I, I I lost track once or twice. Then you go right to the little summary. This time I'm using the Cliff Notes responsibly to augment my reading, not to replace it. So I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Hey, back to Wisconsin. Remember this. Wisconsin, they voted illegally. Donald Trump is correct. Everybody on the fake news who says he's waging some sort of big lie, they are lying. They are. They're the liars. You just got to look at this beautiful decision from the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Yeah, there's another one very similar in the Pennsylvania (laughs) Supreme Court. But listen to this. You know, all those absentee ballot, no, not absentee, uh, voter drop boxes. Makes no sense. You know, a mailbox. We know how to use the mail. It's a metal box. Nobody knows what the hell you're putting inside it. It's they pick it up at, 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 at specific times. The postal inspectors are watching the mailmen like hawks and the mail distributors. They've got all these systems set up to protect you. And even with all those systems, even with all that experience, a hundred years or so, more than practice, standardization, delivering the mail, they still have something called mail fraud. People go to jail every year for mail fraud. Do we? And this voting stuff, they change the rules. They're doing things for the first time. You're putting your ballot, your precious ballot, in a plastic box that your aunt is uh, possibly picking up for you. This is all wrong. 
and it's all against the law in Wisconsin. They only ruled this. Thanks for telling us in 2022, but it was illegal in 2000. Listen to this. The legislature finds that voting is a constitutional right, the vigorous exercise of which should be strongly encouraged. In contrast, voting absentee ballot is a privilege exercised wholly outside the traditional safeguards of the polling place. The legislature finds that the privilege of voting by absentee ballot must be carefully regulated to prevent the potential for fraud or abuse, to prevent overzealous solicitation of absentee absent electors who may prefer not to participate in an election, to prevent undue influence on an absent elector to vote for or against a candidate or to cast a particular vote in a referendum or other similar issues. Now, this is the legislative policy. This is this predates the 2020 election by a lot, by a lot. Um, No defendant can point to any statute authorizing ballot drop boxes. Instead, the defendants, the Wisconsin election officials, argue no statute expressly prohibits them. The absence of an express prohibition, however, does not mean drop boxes comport with the procedures specified in the election laws. Nothing in the statutory language detailing the procedures by which absentee ballots may be cast mentions drop boxes or anything like them. Ballot drop boxes are unauthorized by law. And they had 500 of these things throughout Wisconsin. And what was the margin in uh, Wisconsin for Biden? What was it? I think it was like 10,000 votes, 30,000 votes. Very, very, millions cast. Folks, the big lie is their lie. Donald Trump is right. This is a beautiful opinion. Just beautiful. One more. Uh, Ballot drop boxes are unauthorized by law. Wisconsin statutes provide in relevant part that absentee ballots shall be mailed by the elector or delivered in person to the municipal clerk issuing the ballot or ballots. The prepositional phrase to the municipal clerk is key and must be given effect. Wisconsin statute defines municipal clerk as the city clerk, town clerk, village clerk, and the executive director of the city election commission and their authorized representatives. Where applicable, municipal clerk also includes the clerk of a school district. An inanimate object, such as a ballot drop box, cannot be the municipal clerk. At a minimum, accordingly, dropping a ballot into an unattended drop box is not delivery to the municipal clerk. It is illegal. If if ballot drop boxes are not alternate absentee ballot sites, what are they? Well, existing outside the statutory parameters for voting, drop boxes are a novel creation of executive branch officials, not the legislature. The legislature enacted a detailed statutory construct for alternate sites. In contrast, the details of the drop box scheme are nowhere to be found in the statutes, but only in memos prepared by Wisconsin Election Commission staff, who did not cite any statutes whatsoever to support their invention. You got to follow the law, folks, and they did not. They broke the law. They made it up as they went along. I believe they did it to screw Trump. They took COVID. They used it as an excuse to create these the scheme to take it from Trump. That's what I believe. And you know what? This is a major, major step in that direction. This is this is incredible, and it's been buried. You know who told me about this? 
Trump on Friday night. Hey, by the way, do we have some? Uh, he was terrific. Let's see here. We got everything but Wisconsin. That's okay. That's all right. Oh, this is at CPAC. Ooh, here's Donald Trump on crime and police. Cut 57. The streets of our Democrat-run cities are drenched with the blood of innocent victims. Gun battles rage between bloodthirsty street gangs. Bullets tear into crowds at random, killing wonderful, beautiful little children that never even had a chance. We have to leave our police alone. Let them do their job. Give them back their respect. They know what to do. We have to allow them to do it. Who can argue with that? What are the Democrats going to come up with that will be their counter-argument to that? It's kind of amazing. Like, what? What could they say? I love to point this out to my Democrat friends who hate Trump, and they're out there. I always say, watch one of his rallies. Don't watch somebody tell you about him. Or watch, better than all the rallies, it's one of the best speeches in the history of uh, our country, Donald Trump's address to the nation on July 4th, 2020. I could, I show this to one person who does not like Trump, and they said, you know what, though? It's like, I may not like him, but you can't argue, that is an American speech. He's protecting the basic foundation of what it is to be America. Uh, Donald, uh, uh, Joe Biden running around talking about transgender. I got your back, transgender kids. We're going to let boys use girls' rooms and girls use boys' rooms in, in, in middle school. That's not America. That's not, a, that's not, that's possibly, that's the destruction of America. Something is up. Something is up with Joe and children. I'll review tonight, by the way, grabbing kids like crazy. And he's fixated and he's got their back. They're all very, very unseemly. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Magna P.I. Just a bunch of great guys. Tom Selleck, Thomas Magnum, and T.C., the helicopter pilot. Uh, He's dead. Theodore T.C. Calvin is dead at the age of 83. Great dude. I love this show. I love this helicopter with the paint scheme. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Thank you. Actor Roger E. Mosley, best known for his role as a helicopter pilot, Theodore T.C. Calvin on the 80s hit show Magna P.I., died Sunday. His daughter announced he was 83 years old. He was in a bad car accident, and um, that's what led to his death. 83. Um, What can we say about that show? He was a private eye. What is it about private eyes? Why were there so many TV shows about private detectives? Um, Now, what are they? Hmm. Uh, Rockford Files. Um... Mannix, uh, Magnum P.I., I feel like there are a dozen more that I can't think of right now. But there was a lot of private detective shows. Anyway, TC, they all met in Vietnam. And uh, I don't really remember much about their adventures. It's a long time ago. And it's one of those shows you don't see in syndication. Although, you know what you do see all the time? Blue Bloods. 
Yikes. I don't like that show. I don't like it. He's not a convincing police commissioner. I know people love it. My mother loves it. I can't stand that show. Pete in Piscataway, hello. Hello, Greg. Um, I think you're to be commended for having Joe Olstein on your uh, show last week. That was a big change of pace. Um, I was hoping that you'd ask him who does he think the Antichrist is or the Beast of Revelation 13 or who the false prophet was or something like that. Well, I've known Joel for a long time. He doesn't go into questions like that. I mean, Joel is fantastic. There's so much I've learned from him, and he's really done uh, so much for Christianity. And uh, But I don't, I, th- those are questions that he doesn't tackle, at least not publicly. I mean, who do you oh, okay. think it is? Who do you think? Uh, who'd you say? Well, the... All right. You asked for it. The Antichrist, we think in my religion, the, the uh, pastors and the elders think it's the Roman government, uh, the uh, Roman uh, Christian government in uh, Italy, in Rome. What, right and, now? And the, yeah. The po- oh, come on, Pete. Ever since. Ah, oh, hey, Pete. Oh, i got to hang up on you now. Come on, Pete. you got to take that back. The Pope? I mean, he may not be my favorite pope, but I'm not. He's not the Antichrist. Come on. Who, who the false prophet is? All right, Pete. Anyway, listen. You're into are this. You, are you sitting down? Are you sitting down? Relax, Pete. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, it's the United States and Protestantism. All right, Pete. You know, you gotta. All right, Pete. I'm gonna let you get back to uh, your uh, shortwave radio and all the stuff that you're probably up to. Uh, let's see here. Pat is in New Jersey. What's going on, Pat? Hi. Oh, yes. Um, you were talking about uh, meeting uh, movie stars. I met a, a big movie star once, uh, Warren Beatty, and uh, I, I, I still remember that meeting. It was so cool. Um, you know, he's so handsome, and uh, he was making uh, – he brought in his typewriter, and I was working for Smith Corona then, and he brought in his typewriter to be fixed. And um, he spotted me, he saw me, and he asked to meet me, and um, – you must you cool. must be very beautiful, right? I mean, let's face it, he had a real eye no, for No, I just was a bleach blonde and I guess I just fit the bill. Did he ask but you I, out? I just wanted to... No, I was very very shy then. I uh, But did you I, get the vibe? He was so cool. Did, did, did you get the vibe he was, that he, he was so cool. I'm sure he was cool, but I think you were cooler. I mean, he wanted to meet you. Did you get the vibe that he wanted to um, you know, um take you out for lunch or something like that? No, I think he just wanted to meet me and see where it could go from there, but it wasn't going to go anywhere. Oh, I just wanted to say, can I say something, Greg, about uh, Mario Puzo, that uh, Godfather is based on his mother? Um, Hello? No, there are certain... Wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Hold on a second. When you say the Godfather, yes. The Godfather character had a lot in common with his mother. Yes, uh, you're correct. He did say that, and um, as a matter of fact, I think he told that to Camille Paglia, Pogli of all people. But the plot of The Godfather, he made up. That That's all made up. It's all a makeup job. He has said that, but he's, you're right about yeah. The Godfather. The Godfather character played by Marlon Brando, that presence, that leadership, he, he uh, derived from his mother. Or Yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, well, some of those, oh, I, 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 that would be stereotyping. Well, you know, some ethnic women are a little more tougher than than other 
ethnic women. You know, this is just my... Um, well, you sound you might be a little up. ethnic yourself, Pat. Yes, I'm Polish-American, so... I, I, I've seen all kind of, um, you know... I had Irish girlfriends, Italian girlfriends, so I've seen, you know, how, you know, their families uh, worked, so... You know, it was possible that, you know, it was based Wait a on second, girlfriends, mother. is this why you weren't interested in Warren Beatty? No, <laughs> no, 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 you know, you know, friends. Okay, go I got you, I got you. Pick up guys. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. I'll see you later. Um, Mike is in Comac. Hi. Oh, man. Greg, are you there? Yes, I am. What are you doing? Hey, Greg. God bless you. Sorry about that. I'm on the road. Uh, just calling regarding uh, Mario Puzo's story. Uh, I heard something that Mario Puzo had a fight with Frank Sinatra because Frank Sinatra was upset about the portrayal of, of uh, Fontaine. And uh, actually, I heard Mario Puzo almost took a, a, a fork to him. So I was looking to see if you heard anything about that. Well, they make a big deal out of that in the offer by Paramount, this this you know semi-fictionalized uh, portrait of the making of The Godfather. I've heard that. It's in the show. They play that up big time. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's true or not. I got to ask my buddy Simone. Nobody knows Sinatra more than he does, but um, I don't know. I remember seeing it. It really does. There are a lot of overtones. Let's face it. A lot of those guys seem right. to have in common. I mean, Sinatra desperately wanted to be put in. Uh, oh, what was that? What was that with Burt Lancaster? What was that movie with Burt Lancaster? From here to eternity. And uh, he got the role, and it changed his life. That was way before Manchurian Candidate and a lot of others. But who knows? Thanks, Mike. Give me a moment. I'll be right back with the news. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, remember DeSantis, a governor who's not afraid to uh, use his power. I love it. You know, most uh, most of them are there for, well, they love the power, but they really love the perks. They love, you know, going from, um, well, take Kathy Hochul, you know, county clerk of uh, Buffalo to uh, governor. I mean, that's like a big deal. And she gets to wear the jacket and she gets to live in the uh, the great big mansion there in Albany. The only place I would live in Albany is that mansion, by the way. Um, but... Here's DeSantis talking about getting rid of that horrible district attorney in Fort Lauderdale who would just not enforce the law, cut 27. The destruction that we've seen with these Soros prosecutors around the country where they basically take it upon themselves to determine which laws should be followed and which laws should not be followed. And I can tell you in Florida's constitution, uh, that constitution vests the veto power in the governor not an individual district attorney or a state attorney where they can pick and choose. And so I asked my staff to review all state attorneys in the state of Florida. 
I wanted to see who was picking and choosing. And this is the guy that all the line prosecutors, all the law enforcement said he thinks he can pick and choose which laws. And he actually signed letters saying he wouldn't force laws against transgender surgeries for minors, laws protecting the right to life. And then he has all these policies in his agency that are called presumptive non-prosecution. No, the law is presumptively enforced. That's not something that's acceptable. And so we took it seriously. We did a thorough review and we pulled the trigger today. All right. Fantastic. A guy's name is Andrew Warren. No good. No good whatsoever. And uh, wanted to uh, compliment DeSantis on that. Again, I do not think DeSantis will be ready by 2024. He needs more seasoning. He needs to uh, he needs to get a little bit better at politics, actually. I know. I know. We love him. You know, he does some amazing things. He's a very qualified, able man. But remember, he's only 43 or 44. He's got plenty of time. All right. Hey, Anne Heche. I know. Not exactly household name famous, other than during that brief time where she was going out with Ellen DeGeneres back when a lesbian couple was like, ooh, wow, shocking. But anyway, it's all been uh, whatever. So Anne Heche went driving the other day, uh, and she exploded her car. She drove 100 miles per hour, it seemed like, down a residential street into somebody's driveway. You know, they have those big concrete things sometimes at the uh, end of the driveway where they have a lantern on top. She drives into that, full speed, explodes. She's uh, severely hurt, although I think she's going to be okay. She was joking on a podcast that very morning or possibly the day before about how drunk she was getting. Cut 40. Today has been a very unique day. I don't know what happened. Sometimes days just suck. And I don't know if you ever have them, but, you know, some days mama says are <laughs> just going to be like this. Some days there's those no good, very bad days. I drove Atlas to tennis and I'm a little bit shaken. Whatever that means, it's not a very exciting story. It just f***ed me up, so I'm drinking some vodka and wine. Oh, man, she sounded, uh, well, number one, you don't mix. I said earlier, I think it was marijuana and uh, marijuana and vodka probably led to that. But I guess also if you mix liquor and wine what do they say? Liquor and wine. Wine and liquor, never sicker. Uh, beer and wine. There's some slogan, and um, sounds like she violated that. Now, why the hell is Alec Baldwin speaking out about this? Cut 39. Oh, pal of mine. There's not a lot of women I work with who are brave in the way that Anne is brave. I love you, Anne. I love you, and uh, I think you're such a talented person, and I hope everything is okay. Didn't he shoot somebody not too long ago? I mean, it just he did. He killed a he killed a person. I hear he's pushing a podcast. He's talking about another game show. We don't need Alec Baldwin anymore. I really think he should uh, just settle down, uh, take care of uh, whatever. I, I I don't know. We were talking earlier about how some actors disappear for years at a time, and it's um, it's an interesting lifestyle. I wonder how they get through. Uh, I I just a, a podcast from. Alec Baldwin. When did that happen? It sounds like it feels like five years ago. It was just a little while ago. Shot and killed a woman on set. Now, I'm sure he didn't do it deliberately, but still, uh, it's interesting. If you were famous before the Internet, it's very hard to change the subject on you, to change, to move the needle on you. People will revert to what they thought of you before the Internet became big. Here's a great example of that. Michael Jackson. So remember, now, A lot's been said about Michael Jackson. The late, great Michael Jackson died in 2009. 
I remember where he was, where I was. It was that big a deal. I was in the lobby of Fox 5. All weekend long, they were playing uh, Michael Jackson music wherever I went. The bowling alley. I actually went bowling that weekend. Uh, Michael Jackson music. The country kind of bonded over that. He had already been accused of being a child molester. He was found not guilty. Uh, that never entirely went away, but you can't, you just couldn't move the needle on Michael Jackson. Now, I also happen to think he's innocent. There was a major story written about the written about Michael Jackson in GQ magazine of all places in about 1994 or five, and how he was susceptible to um, blackmail and 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 he was like kind of he was an easy guy to exploit, and they made the case that he was most likely innocent of all the charges. So Oprah Winfrey, you know, about two years ago, had a very big special about Michael Jackson, the predator, and they even had two. Men come forward and say, he did this to me, he did that to me. Their stories did not hold up, and it evaporated. It just evaporated, and people still enjoy Michael Jackson music. I think the estate makes $100 million a year. He's too talented, too big to cancel. I'm sorry, and I'm kind of glad. I do think he was innocent of those charges. He had a very unique life. You know, he became famous when he was seven. He became a famous person when he was seven years old. You know... They say a lot of folks, when you achieve superstardom, you stop growing. And a pretty good example of this, for a time, I haven't seen him in 10 years. Maybe he's changed. But um, uh, Justin Bieber, I met the guy once when he was 14, and then I saw him 10 years later. He was like the same exact person, like even slightly less mature, 24. It was interesting, and he almost was in decline. I don't know where he is now. I understand he's married to... Isn't he married to one of uh, Alec Baldwin's kids? No, Stephen Baldwin. And that's Haley. Wait, who? I don't know. Wait, Haley. Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. Stephen. Stephen Baldwin, uh, the actor. And uh, that's nice. Hey, Nancy Pelosi. This is, you know why she went to China? Because of what her mother told her about China. Cut 29. When I was a little girl, I was told at the beach, if I dug a hole deep enough, we would reach China. So we've always felt a connection there. Uh, way to go. So is that why you went? Is that why you went and brought this world a little bit, a little bit closer to World War Three? Hey, have you heard that uh, Lloyd Austin, our Secretary of Defense, has been trying to get uh, various defense officials on the phone in China, Taiwan, the Middle East? They won't take his phone call. They're, they're, they're excited to blow off the United States. We don't have it anymore. We don't have the clout. They're blowing us off. They do not respect us. That's where all this nonsense is led. They're blowing off the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. And we're coming up, by the way, one year since our horrific, our horrific uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. Hey, CPAC was this weekend. We just played a couple of clips. Uh, Donald Trump was there. And so was this really interesting guy named Alex Stein. He's a conservative. He's the one who was like... uh, making fun of AOC, calling her a hot tomato or something like that. And it was kind of funny. It was like, yes, I'm sexually harassing her, but I'm doing it in full view and I'm proud of it. It was, there was something kind of funny about it. And her overreaction was even funnier. Here she is, here he is now taking on a reporter named Tess Owen, who writes for Vice or Vox or one of those things that hates everybody, especially conservatives. And she's writing nasty things about conservatives. She's posting nasty things. She's calling us all extremists, all racists, all white supremacists. And this Alex Stein is at this CPAC convention and calls attention to it. It's pretty funny. Go ahead. 
So this is the vice reporter. You can tell the only one in a mask here. So how are you doing? Just doing my job. She's here trolling everybody here. So she's the only one here in a mask, and she's just saying negative stuff. I can't believe they let you in here. Do you feel like a lion or sheep in the lion's den? Um, I have credentials to be here. So. Yes, yeah, so do I. But I'm saying, see, this is vice, guys. This person, she's trying to troll this event. She thinks all of you guys are losers. That's what she posts on the internet. She posts the most, she posts the most out of context stuff. See, vice is the worst media company there is. They're all liars. So, what do you think about your crappy media company? Just do my job and if you have a you being here, you can take it up with CPAC. I know, but don't you think vice is a bunch of liars? No, I'm very proud. Oh, you're proud of, uh, you know, you guys mainly talk about oh, drugs. Are you are you a drug addict too? Like all the Vice content you make? Guys, this is the Vice. Guys, this person, she's a loser right here. She's the only one in a mask. You see this? This is what a loser looks like. She's got her coronavirus. How many vaccines do you have? All right. He's being kind of mean to her, but... It's not your business. Oh, my. Oh, it's not? So why do you want to mandate him if it's none of my business? Are you pro-vaccine mandates? Oh, it's none of my business, but she's pro-vaccine mandates. Guys, you see this? I love it. I love it. That's I know it's not nice, but actually it's pretty funny. You know, it's very easy to take on people. What do they call them? Uh, keyboard commandos, you know, writing nasty things about people behind the safety and security of your phone or your laptop or whatever. But to confront people, to see them face to face and to have them call you out on your nonsense, I, I kind of like it. Vinny in New Jersey, yes. Hey, Greg. How are you, Greg? Love the show. I just wanted to thank you for bringing up some memories. I remember when I was a kid, all those P.I. shows that my parents used to watch, a couple of really good ones like Mannix and Barnaby Jones. Um, there was actually one uh, with the guy from Christmas Story, I think, called Banachek. They were all pretty awesome when I was growing up. What was it about the private eyes? Why, why private eyes? Why was that lifestyle seen as somehow sexy and rogue and dangerous and fun? Why? I don't know. It was always when I was a kid after 9 o'clock, every channel used to have me. They even had rock profiles. I think the one that scared me the most was McLeod. All they used to do is walk out, Dennis Weaver, I think, with that flashlight waving it around. But I guess that was the thing back then. That's Everybody wanted to watch all those uh, all those shows. Uh, I, I, I still don't know why. I mean, I, I preferred uniform cops. I thought that was the coolest show. And there weren't no, as many good. of them as you might think, though. No, back then, that's why, what was it, uh, Hill Street Blues was like, Kind of this groundbreaking show because they it was about yeah. uniform cops day in and day out. But uh, by the way, yeah, I always that thought one, of, I think what there was also that Streets of San Francisco with Michael Douglas. I remember yeah. that one too. Yep, with a great opening soundtrack. <laughs> it was uh, that was that was that sounded like a gargle. Sorry, but it was a very cool opening soundtrack. Thank you, Vinny. Uh, let's do one more. Oh, Joe wants to say something about the offer. Yes. Hey, Greg, love your show. <clears throat> I, I watched The Offer. I fell in love with it. Absolutely loved it. I'm a Godfather fanatic. And I thought the actors that played Coppola and Puzo were hysterical, perfectly cast. But did you know the senior producer, Bob Evans, there's Al Ruddy, who was kind of the main character, and then his kind of boss, uh, Robert Evans. There was a book and a movie about Robert Evans. He's actually a famous Yeah, the producer. kid. the kid stays in the picture. That's it. Exactly. I wasn't sure if you were aware of it, but I thought that was excellent 15 years ago when that came out. Yeah, people have recommended it to me, and somebody said, I got to listen to the audio version. I I probably will because this movie made me pretty curious about that guy, and I looked him up. He's one of the guys I'm talking about. You know, he didn't stay for much longer after The Godfather as president of Paramount. He had to move on. He became an independent producer working for Paramount, but doing just producing movies. And at one point in his career, he only produced two films in 12 years. I found that kind of like, 
well, what the hell do you do the rest of the time? That's kind of fascinates me. I, it's uh, well, hey, he got busted for cocaine possession and sales in the early eighties, I think. He's in jail. Uh, that is correct. And also back then, if you got arrested for cocaine, it like followed you around. It was a big deal. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, it's uh, basically. <laughs> possession no one gets arrested for that anymore and uh <laughs> yeah. yeah although he was moving a lot of it yeah joe thank you i'm going to check that out the kid stays in the picture by robert evans Ooh, uh we can't forget ashley babbitt and marianne likes to bring her up and so do i every night on newsmax we talk about ashley babbitt the unarmed woman who was murdered on january 6th hello marianne how are you hi greg i have um Two January 6th questions. I hope I don't cause you a problem. And uh, I have a comment about Joel Osteen. Okay. You'll, you'll like it. But anyway, um, I was watching where, where Ashley Babbitt got shot. The congressman that's walking down the hallway towards her, he comes out of the room on, on well, you're, we're looking at it on the right-hand side, goes into a room on the left-hand side, and just before Ashley Babbitt got shot, he took a step back out of the room and looked down and watched her get shot. And I was wondering, is there some way we can, like, zoom in on that picture, find out who he was, maybe subpoena the guy, ask him a couple questions. And then number two, um, I think if they let go of all the video and audio and video, and let we the people see everything for ourselves. I think January sixth will go will disappear because then they'll be caught with you know, they'll be they'll then we'll know everything. We'll know who did what. They will have implicated themselves. Uh it's not gonna disappear. They're not gonna do that. They wanna keep this going to tarnish Trump in any way they can. Uh Marianne, I only got a couple of seconds left. What do you want to say about Joel right. Osteen? Okay, Joel Osteen, um, he, he's like a uh, Barnabas. Barnabas was, his name was J- J-O-S-E-S. The encourager, right? Yeah, encourager, consoler, yeah, consoler, encourager. I can't believe I got this Bible reference. Wow. The apostles named him Barnabas. It's Aramaic. All right, Marianne, I get it. I get it. Joel's a lot like that. Listen, I, you know, I, I actually do. That's a moment. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times people like, you know, in the Bible and like more and more, I, you know, gosh, all this reading is paying off and it's actually helping me in so many ways. I do recommend it, by the way, if you haven't gotten into the Bible, the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible, help me because I needed some of the language to decode some things and they do that. But uh, thank you, Marianne. Barnabas, the encourager, it's in the Bible and so much else that will Grant you peace, serenity, all the things that uh, these silly apps and psychotropic drugs and uh, this new self-help regime. Nope, 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 nope. It's all in the Bible. Believe me. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, More and more Democrats and fake news people are stepping forward and saying that Joe Biden is Essentially unreelectable, unelectable uh, next time around. This is uh, Stelter Brian. Not a big deal, but he kind of in, in, in media circles, they pay attention to him. Uh, on CNN, cut 43, please, cut 43. What about Hunter? 
Hunter under federal investigation. Charges could be coming at any time. This is not just a right-wing media story. This is a real problem mm -hmm. for the Bidens. Mm -hmm. Could he decide not to run for re-election, given his son? Look, they make, they make decisions as a family. And um, they will make that decision uh, when it's time. But do you, like think, they've talked, do you think they've talked about it yet? No. They're, the president's doing his job. He's doing his work. He's not focused on that. It's 19 months. <laughs> Why would he be doing that? Um, okay, so you're saying it's, uh, the press is getting ahead of... Way ahead. Way ahead. Look, there's more work to do. Who is that guy he's talking to? There's more work to do. I don't think they've talked about that yet. Anyway, even broaching it is kind of a, in its own way significant. We knew. We knew... Pfft, <laughs> a long time ago that there were big problems with Hunter. Thank God for the New York Post and bloody hell that mainstream media for trying to bury the story in 2020, that laptop that should have changed everything. Speaking of laptops, uh, Jimmy wants to say something about Wiener's laptop. Jimmy in Brooklyn, yes. Thank you for taking my call. I read when they first arrested Anthony Wiener, they uh, took his laptop. And detectives and police officers viewed that laptop, and they found a file on that. It was called insurance policy. Now, I read a chief wrote a, you know, did a story in the Post that said, if the FBI does not arrest her, I will expose what was on that laptop. Now I read and hear that nine of the police officers that saw that laptop are now dead. Suicide and other ways they died. I don't know the other ways. But nobody talks about that. R. Kelly got 30 years, which he should have got life. Yeah. Anthony Weiner has a slot on the radio station. I want to get to the owner, Customer Tease, and ask him why he has a slot on the radio station. I don't understand that. Oh, you know what? Um, first of all, every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, you know? And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I've i gotten to know him a little bit, and... Uh, he makes no uh, bones about his sins. He's he's made grave mistakes, and he suffered from addiction. He was afflicted with uh, uh, big-time addiction uh, matters. And um, so I, quite frankly, you know, that John, who basically is a conservative, would, would grant a liberal with a checkered past uh, a spot. I, I, I think that's really big-hearted of uh, Mr. Katsimatidis. Jimmy, uh, I really do. And, um, you know, it's a little awkward for me, uh, you calling and trying to make a big deal out of that. Uh, you know, Anthony Weiner works here, and I know you disagree with that, and a lot of other people might. But uh, like I said, every um, every sinner has a future, every saint has a past. I'll see you later. And uh, I don't want to end on that note. Uh, let's go to Ronnie on Nassau County. Yeah. Yeah, hi. How are you? Good to talk to you again today. It's a little bit off subject of where you've been right now, but I want to point out that as my daughter had gone to school, um, I'm in my 50s. And my Go ahead, daughter, pal. I only got a little time left. She pointed out that there was no American history taught to an entire generation since about the, the, the early 2000s. And all of them are walking around. Now, you want to say they're all dumb, but the teachers, it turns out, we're allowed a lot of leeway in what they teach in school, from grade school up to the uh, senior high school. And they just decided they weren't going to teach them any of that anymore. Core math, however, they brought on strong, and that's supposedly important. But meanwhile, your parents can't even help you with math, with core math, because we don't understand it. But when we tell kids about Vietnam and World War II, 
they look at us like, what are you talking about? Wasn't Vietnam part of a battle in World War II? And I say, what? You don't know about this? They <laughs> you, said, no, they didn't teach us that. It's kind of interesting, too. I, I notice that people of a certain age, uh, younger people, they almost take pride in what they don't know. They look at you as like, okay, uh, sorry, uh, that was like before I was born. And I'm like, yeah, well, a lot of things happened. Like, one of my favorite movies is The Manchurian Candidate, and I talk to people about it. And they're like, that's such an old movie. It's like from before I was born. And I'm like, yeah, well, it was before I was born, too. I don't make a big deal out of it. It's still a classic. I'm reading this book right now, Crime and Punishment, from 200 years before I was born. It's been, and maybe 100, 100. Uh, Crime and Punishment. It's amazing. Just because it was from before you were born. All right, pal, listen, I got to run. I got to go across the street. Uh, Newsmax awaits. Uh, 10 o'clock tonight, and uh, what else? Oh, Ray Kelly will be our guest. We're going to talk about all the cops who are retiring, quitting the police department, and you can totally understand where they're coming from. A lot of them are on the verge of getting a pension, but they're still quitting. I don't blame them. And um, what else? Oh, me? I hope we're going to have Steve Forbes on. He's that guy who... Wants everybody to pay their taxes on a postcard. One flat tax for everybody. I think it's great. we got to bring that back. Well, we never had it, but the idea, I'd like to revive it. All right, thanks so much. I'll see you tonight on the Newsmax Show at 10 p.m. All the best.